0: Two Girls One Podcast is made possible by you the listeners. And if
1: you love the internet as much as we love talking about it,
0: consider supporting us on Patreon. A
1: lot of work and time go into research, recording, editing and distributing the show. Contributing even 1 or 2 dollars per month is huge in offsetting our production costs. If you'd like to support the show head over to patreon.com/2g1p.
0: We'll keep making the show no matter what, but your support allows us to make it even better. Thank you so much for listening and, and enjoy, enjoy the, the show. Please
2: Week on Two Girls One Podcast, we examine the intense and one sided relationships we form with our favorite YouTubers, podcasters, and online influencers. Coincidentally, the phrase intense, one sided relationships could also describe my entire year in seventh grade. And now, here are your best friends. Ah, uh, who are we kidding? Here are your only friends Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Damula.
1: Hey guys, I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. We are the two girls. This here is our podcast. Our background is that we performed the internet, the whole internet. We did it all. Well, we almost did it all, kind of.
3: Yep, no, uh, we did it all. It's, uh, you know, we, we're not we're not doing the show anymore because we ran out of internet.
1: It just ended. We thought that was never going to happen, but... Yeah,
3: it's kind of like how the world is flat. You know what I mean? Like you just, at a certain yeah. point, you reach the edge. That's how it you tip goes. You off. That's how we all
1: eventually <laughs> meet our end. We, we fall off. Yeah. Yeah. So, we use the internet as our script, basically, and uh, did that live on stage for a lot of years. Then we made a web series called Two Girls, One Show, which you can find on Ha, -ha, And in that, we interview people behind different internet communities, go on scripted adventures. And then we came here to this podcast with The Daily Dot um, and a certain gentleman who is not mentioned in the title of this podcast. But hello, Matt. What's
4: up? (laughs) You remember those commercials from the 90s? Yeah, what was the
3: what was the, that for? The Budweiser. <laughs> no, no, no. Go on. Do it. Remind us. What was that sound? What was that sound?
4: That's how I feel right now. Cool,
3: cool. You should never do that again. Um, For your own good and health, I don't think (laughs) it's
1: wise. For society's benefit, really. Got it. Okay. Fair enough. Uh,
4: Uh, I'm getting a message here, and uh, it's loud and clear. Thank you. Loud and clear.
1: All right. Message received,
3: little soybean.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So here today, we are interviewing people behind internet communities or phenomena that we find interesting. Today is focused more on the phenomena. This is a phenomenon, although it's existed before the internet, which is interesting. So, what are we what are we looking at today?
3: Parasocial relationships.
1: That's right. We talk about relationships a lot on this show, but not this kind of relationship.
3: <laughs> this kind's parasocial. We're looking at how people, uh, particularly in communities like YouTube they comment on videos, the YouTuber talks, you know, to them, and so they feel that they have this relationship or friendship with the YouTuber, but in fact, they don't. They've never met. Yeah. Um, but so we're looking at someone who has done a lot of research into that phenomenon, which is very interesting, because Jen, you were mm-hmm. saying it's always existed, because I think people have always, like, kind of thought they have these relationships with celebrities that they don't. Yes. But it's, like, so increased with the internet. And definitely, um, I have fallen off the bandwagon, but November and December, I was pretty good about teaching myself ukulele, but I oh, yeah. teaching teaching myself. Bernadette was teaching me. And I definitely feel that I am friends with Bernadette, even (laughs) though we've never met. Wow. Uh
1: She's a YouTube celebrity.
3: She teaches ukulele on YouTube. She's very popular. If you want to learn ukulele, she seems fucking mm-hmm. wonderful, and I feel that we're friends now.
1: Don't you feel like like a crazy person when you talk about Bernadette? Like <laughs> when you find yourself talking to your real life friends about Bernadette, and they're like, "Who is this person?" You're like, "She's in she's in my screen like right now." Uh, yeah, like well, because I I mean like we right all now? do it. <laughs> yeah, like right now.
3: Oh, like us right here. It's just a parasocial relationship.
4: We're not. Let's be clear. We're not friends. We're not friends. So she's not talking to her (laughs) friends right now. Okay. Just, oh, oh,
1: we're not friends.
4: (laughs) Yeah. We, we three are not friends. This is, this is just professional business only. Thank you. (laughs) What's
3: up? (laughs) <laughs> well, fine. I'm I'm pretty fun as a friend, so sure you're missing out, Matthew. You're missing out.
1: It's true. So I did something the other day on Instagram. You know, I f- of course follow like foodie people, farmer people. Well, this woman is a foodie farmer, and I think she's awesome. But I've never met her. She lives in Portland, Oregon, and you know she's sharing stories of her lives. I mean, her life. Uh, she only has one <laughs> life. No, she she no. Nope, she might have multiple. Her nine lives. <laughs> but you know it's interesting with social media how you are you have the ability to interact with the people so she shared a story about something she had cooked for her breakfast <laughs> why why I'm wasting my your time and my time with this I don't know um about her breakfast and I sent her a message and it was like mm. the first time I ever did that and I was like oh what is that in the picture and I, like I was asking a question about something she that I couldn't tell what it was and she didn't respond and what a bitch. I felt I, I felt like a fucking stalker, guys. (laughs) I felt like like I had misgaged, (laughs) like what was appropriate in this interaction. Can
4: can I can I offer some words of condolence? Yes, please. As a, I would say D-list YouTube celebrity myself. (laughs) Okay, I would like to inform you that you know. I am followed by strangers on Instagram who enjoy the videos that I create. And I get messages from them, just lovely, beautiful messages that are really sweet and sincere. And I don't see them because Instagram hides them from me because I'm not mutual friends with them. Wow. i did not friend to the stranger and they are trying to contact me. So Instagram kind of protects me. And I only just realized that I have messages from like October mm-hmm. of like, hey, love that video. You're, you know, love your channel. Mm-hmm. And. I didn't see them and I only just responded and I felt like an asshole because I was leaving these people hanging.
3: Matt, you are an asshole.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's why we're not friends. Oh, just kidding.
3: (laughs) Wait, they're hidden? (laughs) Like when I go to my, my messages on Instagram, like there's just that little paper airplane and that's it.
4: If you go to that paper airplane and then you go there you'll see all your friends that you're messaging with and on the top right there's like requests and it's like a one little line of text that's like requests and if you don't even look at that which I stupidly did not those are messages coming in from people who are not your friends so if if someone DMs you oh. who you don't know like a like a creepy stalker like a stranger like yeah. then then you won't see them
3: right away I don't right see away. that I don't see it that. only You're not getting shows creepy you're not getting
1: creepy if you get a message
3: Yeah yeah yes i'm not getting messages from strangers (laughs) but that actually i feel good
1: and bad about this (laughs) matt you really brighten my day that's true you know she doesn't follow me so don't feel she probably doesn't check those i personally when i get those i look but i probably get two of those a year or whatever so Mm -hmm. it's a big deal Mm -hmm. but yeah this one really all right thank you that that makes me feel better
3: she also might get so many that she's just backlogged and she she's gonna respond in a week yeah
4: is she like extremely well-followed Yeah, and she's she's popular. Record. Yeah.
3: yeah. Ali, I had another experience. Ugh, Jen, you're so needy. I,
1: <laughs> I really I am.
3: I not respond right away. This
1: has happened a lot on social media. Like I followed blogs when they were a thing. And a lot of those people transferred over to Instagram. So there are some people I've been following for like eight years. <laughs> you know, like a pretty long time. And I feel like I'm a part of their li- their lives. Yeah. So when we were performing How to Break Up by Text, our one show where we perform and analyze people's breakup decks in san francisco like two years ago two august ago i don't know if i told you this at the time Allie, but one of the bloggers that i follow her husband walked into the performance space that we were in the we work <laughs> and i freaked out
4: <laughs> you, you recognize the husband of the blogger. i, kind of re- awesome. I knew
1: everything about his life i knew his, <laughs> about his newborn baby and I, I was so judgmental i was like why are you at this show without your wife and you shouldn't be home watching your baby um, but i couldn't say a word to him this has happened a couple times actually
0: wow.
3: it's such a strange wait why couldn't you say a word i feel like they get it like that and that's also like kind of why they're doing it and
1: to yeah, some extent wife. It w- i just felt weird being like i follow your wife but yeah i guess people must do that all the time i just i was so nervous
3: podcasters if you see us on the street you are welcome to come up to me and say i follow your wife aka jen <laughs> That is allowed. I
4: find that so fascinating because the odds of finding that, like, even though these people are popular, like they're, they're in these little niches. So the odds of you running into a a person in real life, I just find so strange. uh, strange. Strange, Yeah. Yeah, That's really
1: cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, I have a lot of experience with parasocial relationships. Ali, did you ever have, even like when you were younger, like somebody you idolized that you felt like you had a relationship with?
3: No. <laughs> really? <But laughs> not even television? Also, uh, not that I, like, thought we were at all friends or kindred mm-hmm. spirits or anything. No. Also, I mostly wasn't allowed to watch TV as a child. That's true. I
1: did know that. Yeah. Yeah,
3: which is kind of weird now because, like, I'm unable to multitask if a TV is on, and I think <laughs> that's why. But other people, they, like, have the TV on in the background or this or that, and, like, if the TV's on, like, that's all I can mm-hmm.
5: do.
4: Mm-hmm. That's probably yeah. for the best. Yeah.
3: I don't know. Well, now now it's not only given my career choice because it's like, oh, wait, like now I'm in media and pitching television and I like missed every TV show <laughs> of uh, our youth. They're doing all these like reboots now and I'm like, I didn't see the original. Totally, totally. They're like, yeah. oh,
4: so it's like Cheers. You're like, what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> cheers She says cheers back or like, You're It's like
4: Seinfeld But it's happening now You're like mm, I'm sorry What uh, si- Seinfeld No as
1: a family
3: Seinfeld? We would watch Seinfeld And Friends That
1: was it <laughs> You TV? do know a lot about Friends
3: It was it was as a family And so I watched those two shows yeah. Which in retrospect They're really weird to watch As a family
1: Yeah a lot of sex I watch Sex and the City Like with my family Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> with my mother, when I was like in high school, we used to turn that on. That was inappropriate. All right, we've all, we've all, we've all met your mother, and that makes a lot of all sense. All right, cool. Um, Matt, have you ever had a parasocial relationship?
4: Uh, it's funny because you say, "Have you ever had a parasocial relationship?" And I think most of us would say, "Like, no, you haven't." But we, we, we may be having them, um, but we're not uh, like intellectually saying, "I'm friends with Conan O'Brien." because I listen to his podcast. Right. But I personally am really enjoying his new podcast, and I feel like I'm understanding the intimate details of his like psyche, and his career, and his comedy philosophy, and his his background. And so now I feel like I know him on a personal level that I could not achieve from watching, you know, television Conan, and I'm really enjoying it. I don't intellectually think that we're buddies, but I often find myself listening and I'm like, if I ever met Conan O'Brien and said hi to him and shook his hand, I feel like I could have a 5-minute conversation and it would be really nice. You know? I that I think I'm having a parasocial relationship. Unless
3: he decides to be a mm-hmm. dick.
4: Yeah. You know, I just wonder, you know the kinds of celebrities where you're like, I hope they're not a dick and I really hope they're not like there there's just something about him in this format that I feel like confirmed. Like he's totally like the nice guy that you always thought he was. Who knows? Who actually knows? But uh podcasts are the the greatest power social tool because guys, we are literally inside people's bodies right now. Our voices are inside people's bodies, in their ear holes. I
1: wanna be in you guys.
3: That got so sexual. <laughs> yeah, I
1: know. Yeah. Um well I was gonna say, what if you met Conan and he's been having a parasocial relationship with you, Mr. Matt? Because he he listens. Yeah. I'm sure he listens. I'm sure. Hi Conan.
4: He has to do it.
3: Yeah, he does. (laughs) Or he follows your children on social media.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Oh god. (laughs) Mm, We Uh, can only dream.
3: Oh, I was going to ask, how do you feel about people who create a an Instagram for their child? Like, do you have, like, does Amelia have, like, Amelia, I don't know if maybe I shouldn't out, like, full, people probably figure out her full name anyway.
4: <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Um, I think people do it for great reasons because they, A, they don't want to, like, turn their own personal account into, like, uh, the baby photo account, so I get that. And then I, I know a lot of people who do it for, kind of like, they do it as a, as a private account, so it's like, hey... 20 close friends and family who definitely want to see the baby photos. If you follow this private account, you can get your baby photos, and we can share them. But uh, she's not public to the world, and and so I think it's, yeah. I think it's great. Matt, I'm having a
1: parasocial relationship with your son. I just want to let you know.
4: Yes, fair enough. <laughs> I'm fair sure enough. a lot
1: of people do. Like, I've never met Arthur, but when I watch him in things, I, I'm like, oh yeah, that's so him. <laughs> There's no way for me to know that. <laughs> so but we're
4: living in a weird time where yeah. you are you're experiencing the like trivial inner lives of everyone from your high school classmate to like Kristen Bell on Instagram and we are experiencing the day-to-day moments of nonsense and now we're feeling very close to people in ways that we have no business feeling close to them. I am interested in the psychology of this. I'm excited for our guest. Well
1: today. stated.
3: Yeah, and and what the like negative repercussions are. Totally, totally. Yeah.
1: All right. <laughs> Great transition.
4: <laughs> Great segue to
1: trivia. trivia.
4: It's trivia time. Trivia time.
3: Speaking of parasocial relationships, like trivia thinks it's friends with me, but I am not friends
0: with
4: trivia. <laughs> no, no, it is one sided. This is one direction. One direction. Right,
1: Sorry. That, <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't even
4: a joke. Just something I, I was thinking. It. Okay, go ahead. Today's trivia is about Zayn from One Direction. Let's just note Um, that Matt
3: knows the names of the members of One Direction.
4: Zayn came to me and I was hoping it was right. I don't, oh, Harry Styles, obviously, right? Clearly. He was in it.
3: Just so you know, this is not a trivia question and there are no prizes for you, Matthew, but well done. No, I'm just
4: rattling off One Direction. (laughs) P.S. Harry Styles solo album slash albums. Very good. I'm enjoying
3: them. Honestly, I love all the music that the children are listening to. So I'm on board with One Direction and Zane and Harry Styles. Yes. Like, I just want to go to a bar mitzvah every weekend so I can, like, dance.
4: (laughs) When you say you go out dancing, you're just crashing bar mitzvahs in San Francisco. I'm
1: just a bar mitzvah crasher. You know, you can get paid to be the dancer who gets the party going. We knew somebody who did that. (laughs)
3: <laughs> no, nah, because I just want to be, we do, I just want to be the older lady in the corner drinking a vodka, you know what yeah. I mean, while, yeah. while dancing a yeah. Bieber. <laughs>
4: yeah. Uh, yeah, you're going to cross a line there where that's like, goes from fun to creepy. And it's, it's a very, oh, it's very for sudden.
1: sure, for yeah. sure. Um, it's this year, that line. I want yeah, Sorry. <laughs> she <crushed>. it's <laughs> happening now. Okay.
4: It's, it's, she's crossing it's it right crossed. now as yeah. we speak. Uh, I wanted to find some good, like, psychology trivia, and I just wasn't having it. But I did find something that I found fascinating about online relationships as they relate to online video games. I've decided what I want to be when I grow up and it is an economist who studies virtual economies. What do you think? Oh,
3: you're going to go to school for that or what? How's this mm, going to go, man? No,
4: just, I'm just going to learn it from YouTube, I think.
3: <laughs> I think um, it's a great idea. I'm excited for you to grow up. I think it's going to be a wild ride. I think there's a lot of <laughs> things you need to look out for, a lot of things you got to be mm-hmm. careful for. You got to trust your gut. You got to play safe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You call me if you need a ride home.
4: What about puberty? Should I? I've been hearing about that.
3: It's going to get weird that for the podcast listeners. They're going to think that there's an, a new producer because your mm-hmm. your voice is going to go through some changes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll end up as high pitch as mine by the end. <laughs> since we're going backwards. And end up
1: as low as Jen. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. I, I hear Bernadette has some videos about this. So you might want to check those out. Matt, <laughs> I feel like I know Bernadette now.
3: My friend Bernadette is great. If you want to learn ukulele, go look up Bernadette. But
4: hey, I meant to say, you're having a shared experience. I guess she's not sharing it with you. Obviously, this is parasocial, but you are going through a, a You're having journey. a
3: shared experience, except for it's not shared. <laughs> <God. laughs>
4: but I understand why you feel close to her, because it is very... Learning a skill, especially like music, is uh, can be intimate. I get it.
3: Well, she also is, I think, probably a very good teacher. I mean, it's hard for me to say because I don't... I haven't had another ukulele teacher, but she knows all the errors that beginners make, and Mm. so you'll be practicing, and she'll see. Oh, remember to do X, Y, Z. And I'm like, How did she know?
1: Mm. (laughs) So she does. She can see through the screen. She does a good.
3: She is is really good, and is really good at making it feel like she's there with you.
4: I love that. Fantastic. Shout
3: out to Bernadette, who doesn't know who the fuck I am.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Bernadette and Conan. We know you're listening.
1: That's right. And that woman whose breakfast I commented on. That's right.
4: That's right. (laughs) All right, this week's trivia is about social interaction inside video games, which I would classify as social, not parasocial. It's two parties uh, exchanging, you know, emotions, information. And in this case, money. In 2005, we're going way back, John Jacobs, who is actually a, a known actor and filmmaker, but bear with me on that. John Jacobs took out a mortgage on his Miami home in order to purchase a virtual object inside the video game Entropia Universe. I had never heard of this game until I was doing research about trivia, so I'm gonna explain as we go the best I can based on my reading. He he took out a mortgage to buy a virtual object inside this game for the equivalent of $100,000 of real money. So the in-game currency he used was equivalent to $100,000. He did not mortgage his house for $100,000. He just took a mortgage for part of that money in order to buy this object inside the game. In just five months, he had recouped his entire investment, the entire $100,000 and more, and in five years, he sold the object for $635,000, making it arguably the most valuable virtual object in the history of the internet. What did he buy and sell?
3: What? Matt, I think you're going to have a really lucrative career, potentially, as a virtual economist. Right?
1: Isn't this stuff fascinating? Agreed. This is insane. Yeah. All right. What can it be? Here are your choices.
4: A, an asteroid space station, which he turned into and managed as a thriving nightclub. (laughs) B, an extremely powerful gun, which he used to hunt big game and then it eventually became a legendary artifact that was worth a lot more than he paid for, or C, the indentured servitude of three other players who needed to work for him for five years to pay off their in-game debts. What?
3: I feel like it's not A, but I want it to be A, so I'm choosing A.
1: Allie chooses A, the
4: nightclub, the asteroid nightclub.
1: I have no idea, they're all equally fascinating, so I'll just go with solidarity here and choose A.
4: All right, two for choice A. We will find out the correct answer after this commercial break.
2: And now a real Missed Connection advertisement entitled... Cute Guy in Back of Cop Car. Woman for Man, 23, in Denver. From the number one online dating platform for misdemeanor criminals. Craigslist.org.
0: You. Cute, white guy in his 20s, I think with brown yummy hair down to the shoulders, just the way I like. You seemed hyped up. When you saw me, you took the time to jump around in the back seat of the police car and gawk at me, even though you were in handcuffs, apparently. It felt good to be noticed by someone as cute as yourself. You seem really fit. I like that, too. Me, white gal with brown wavy hair and black trench coat with my blue umbrella of Monet's water lilies up because it was snowing and I didn't want to mess up my hair on the corner of University and Evans. I've dated nice guys on campus, yawn, but I like the bad boys. What can I say? When you get out of jail, would you like to meet for coffee or something? Please bring a copy of your police record. I think that small robberies like drugs and belligerence are okay, but not sick stuff or beating women. I do have my standards. Let me know what color your shirt was so that I know it is you. Smiley face.
1: Allie, have you ever dated somebody who was in jail? No. (laughs) Are you sure about that?
3: You dated someone who had some questionable Activities (laughs) Oh yeah oh yeah
1: All right.
5: I think a lot more people
1: go to jail for Minor things than we realize like you Know an overnight that sort Of thing
3: you know oh that's true Maybe I have and I just don't know it Also a lot of dudes I date Afterwards I cut them out completely and maybe After that they go to jail and I don't know
4: because mm-hmm. they go crazy because they've been missing you and they commit crimes
3: yeah i wish that were the yep that's the reason yep totally <laughs> totally
4: also jail does not mean conviction jail is just where you get held on arrest that does not mean you did anything okay innocent until proven guilty yeah at least so far in this country
3: also it's adorable <laughs> jail i agree i don't know <laughs> yeah 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 jail, i mean cute. look she wants a bad boy that's the ultimate way to go i suppose <laughs>
1: All right. I Let's wish get her luck. Loss. Me too. Let's get this trivia response. Speaking of bad
4: Ooh. boys, John Jacobs bought and sold the most expensive virtual object in the history of the internet. It's in a game called Entropia Universe. Again, not familiar. And this game is still running today. <laughs> uh, very fascinating. That's to
3: me. a game I haven't heard of. Uh,
4: how could that be? I know
3: everything. Maybe it's not real.
4: <laughs> mm, maybe we're all living in a simulation this was blocked out. It's glitched out. Probably <laughs> uh, Bought this object for $100,000, made his money back in five months, then flipped it in five years for $635,000. That's more than a 500X ROI in the business world. We call that cha-ching.
3: Balling. <laughs> Is that what we call it in the business world?
4: Yeah. I, I do business. I make business We're all the time. We're
3: having a great cha-ching <laughs> in Q4.
4: <laughs> what was the object? A an asteroid space station which he turned into a thriving nightclub, B, an extremely powerful gun that became a legendary artifact, or C, the indentured servitude of three other players that worked for him for five years to pay off their debts. You guys both instinctually chose A right away.
1: That's right. I don't like guns or servitude. Yeah, let's go with A. (laughs) Uh,
3: Yeah, I just really liked the sound of A. (laughs) I love a good nightclub.
1: Ellie loves to dance. We know this by now. I love to dance too.
3: yeah, I went to a nightclub on Saturday, danced till three. I figured I wasn't going to fall asleep anyway. Yeah. So I just kept dancing. Was
1: it on an asteroid, no. though?
3: <laughs> no, that would be so fucking cool.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. Someday. I All don't right, like, let's hear it. I
4: don't like guns and servitude, the Jen Jamula story. <laughs> you I need that you on can, a t-shirt. You can quote
1: me on that. <laughs> I support that. Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> the correct answer is A. Oh. You both win. <laughs>
0: oh my god, that's so wonderful! It is. Congratulations. Wonderful. We're going go to go
4: to
1: we're going to go to TJ's together <laughs> and skip I love down the to. aisles. You know I fucking love that place. <laughs> oh i'm elated i'm happy we stuck together on that one yeah Woo-hoo! okay tell us more
4: i am just so fat i'm so fascinated by video game economies as as i told you i'm gonna be an economist when i grow up
3: based on this trivia that's a great lucrative plan way so. better than our, our current plan of media
4: <laughs> <laughs> that, that, is, that is truth yeah i'm so fascinated that this guy like understood the economics of this Place of this game so well that he, I guess, put, took out a mortgage or put a lien. The, the mortgage on his own real life property was only like two thousand dollars. So either he had the money invested in the game elsewhere, or you only need a little bit more to like go over the top. But like the real estate in this game, you know, it is it has demand. It has real demand, and you can buy in-game currency that equates, I think, at a ten to one ratio. So I think it's like. 10 in-game dollars equals one real-world dollar, or perhaps vice versa. And you can always cash the in-game currency out. So the game, I believe, is free to play. But as you generate value in the game by selling goods or acquiring things, you can exchange it for in-game currency, then cash the money out. So this guy saw some opportunity to buy this asteroid base. I think it's a space exploration game bought the base, and then developed it into a nightclub. His in-game handle is called Never Die. So the name of the nightclub was like Never Die Club or something. I didn't actually write that down, unfortunately.
3: (laughs) I didn't take good notes CFI. My name is Matthew Silverman, and I don't know what's happening.
4: (laughs) Not only did he like flip the property, but he ran it for five years. And I guess there's some sort of in-game taxation system so that whatever services he provided at this nightclub for whatever the players wanted to do there, he would take a cut of whatever was going on in the nightclub. And over time, he made back the 100000 cash cashed that money out, and then sold it and like, as of now, as as of the best research I could do, $635,000, it is the most expensive single virtual object that I could find. The other objects that that are in the running are all things from this same game, including the planet on which this nightclub – like the, the, the nightclub's on an asteroid, I guess, but maybe there's a planet uh, in that same area – the entire planet is like worth 6 million. So some sources cite this planet as the most expensive object, but no one has actually ever like completed the sale of the of the planet. So as of now, this nightclub in this game is the most valuable real money transaction that has ever happened in a virtual world.
3: Man, I got to start playing Farmville. Yeah, You know, that seems like a game I could handle. It's <laughs> is it's it still around? That's a question. It's got to be. I've never That's played a it, great question. but it feels like it feels like something Jen would really, really do well at. Actually, yeah,
1: I think so. Um, John Jacobs is a good-looking looking man. Yeah, he's an actor, a filmmaker. I just, <laughs> I just googled him. Yeah, I'm just surprised. I was not. I don't know what I was expecting, but he's. That he looks. Name is not okay though. John, John Jacobs. Jacob <laughs> I didn't even think man. of that. <laughs> He looks a bit like. Wait, uh, now, now I gotta look him up. He's good looking. <laughs> I mean, at least in the black and white photo that comes up first. I'm sure this was staged in some way, but um, he looks like a like a like a fancy tech entrepreneur, and that is mm-hmm. not what I was picturing. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think I mm-hmm. think he is a fancy tech entrepreneur slash actor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. P- pretty cool. All right. Well, that was some great trivia, Matt. Thanks. Allie, did that's you look fucking crazy.
3: So Matt, what are you? I'm, I'm trying, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm also trying to participate and I can't multitask. Really, I know. <laughs> I know. We've, we've established. <laughs> <Dude>. All right. <laughs> Wait, but Matt, uh, what are you going to buy and invest in and then give us all the Yeah, proceeds? You
4: know, I love video games and I play a lot of them, but I don't really play a lot of online multiplayer games where the economies ha- matter. So like most games have a system where you like you acquire gold and then you spend it on power ups or weapons and that fine but it's not a real economy but mmos where you're actually trading with other players real value i find that so fascinating and when things kind of coalesce around like whoa this area or this object becomes valuable for real economic reasons not because a game told you so but because over five years value accrued around an object like i just think that's the coolest thing ever and uh but i don't play those games i just i just study them i just like read articles about them
3: Wait, is this guy, John Jacobs, the CEO of Never Die?
4: Uh, I mean, Never Die was his- Isn't
3: this some insider trading? No,
4: Never Die was his handle and the name of the nightclub. So he ran the nightclub as like Never Die Club or something. But the name of the game, he is not involved in the development of the game.
3: Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I just started, you told me it was good looking. I started Googling (laughs) and said something about CEO. And I was like, is this legal? Got it, got it, got it. Also, he's
1: not not attractive. All right, well, that that black and white picture was. Are you kidding? It's all All fake.
4: It's all fake, guys. Well-
1: you could get into a parasocial yeah, it's not even his relationship face. with him if you mm-hmm, want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> parasocial. Um, (laughs) It's time for our interview speaking of parasocial relationships. Uh, We have with us Dr. Leslie Rasmussen, who is an assistant professor in the communication department at Xavier University. And she has authored papers about parasocial relationships. Welcome, Leslie.
5: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for being here. So to kick us off, I think it would be very helpful for our listeners to hear your definition of what a parasocial relationship is.
5: A parasocial relationship is essentially a pseudo-relationship that people believe they have with someone else. In the 50s, it was primarily examined between celebrities and viewers or listeners and specifically like news personalities, soap opera personalities, um, and sports athletes. And it's sort of the definition or who you can have a relationship with has sort of evolved over the years. Basically, the sense of knowing that people perceive they have with someone of perceived status
1: do people actually need to think that they're friends with them or is it i mean it truly is just like you said like a sense of knowing like an emotional attachment in some way
5: yeah um you know, there's really two parts of it. The first part is parasocial interaction, and you need interactions before you develop the actual relationship. Uh, I know I'm getting super nerdy there. <laughs> yeah,
3: talk nerdy to us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those,
5: those initial reactions, right, to when you view someone for the first time. You don't really know them. You know that you don't know them. But there's enough of a spark there or even nerdier, uh, something we call homophily, which are these things that we are attracted to, likability, attractiveness, trustworthiness. And sometimes it's just because they have some sort of perceived status. So we assume they're trustworthy and then we see them again and again. And then we're in this full-blown, I'm going to cry because your grandma got sick and died, or your dog did. And I feel like I know you and I knew Fluffy. And we're in this full-blown meta pseudo relationship after that point.
1: And when you say status, do you mean what like the meaning of it is sort of like social standing or what would status be?
5: Well, so typically it was, you know, celebrity basically. But now we look at it through the lens of not your traditional celebrities. You know, like it used to be Uh, Back in the day when people were first examining the interactions and relationships. So somebody who makes a YouTube video or a podcast in your case, you know, so maybe you're not, you know, hosting the American Idol or something, or you're not a Beyonce. But we start to feel like you have something going, right? You're on a platform So you have some sort of status that the audience perceives anyway, some sort of credibility. So let's go there. I'd love to hear about
3: how this phenomenon has changed with, you know, the rise of the Internet.
5: Yeah, so you know, like I said before, people looked at it—the relationship development between the viewers and like um, news personalities, soap opera stars, and uh, athletes. Soap opera stars, you know, they're in your living room every day, Monday through Friday. You're so involved, and oh my gosh, Erica Kane's hair caught on fire, and you're mad at her sister-in-law because she slept with her brother or something crazy. And they're they're in your house every day, so you start to feel like you know them. And I can remember my mom and my aunts sitting having their little cafecitos after watching their soap operas and going on and on about the soap operas and how they couldn't believe so and so did this to so and so and it's like you don't even know them this is totally fiction but they're in it because they're watching it constantly for days you know, and years at a time, right? They, they were on for decades. And then the same thing with the newscasters, right? Newscasters are in your house every evening and you uh, trust them and they're telling you the things that you think are important. But now we get our information and our entertainment from so many other outlets other than a television screen you know we have social media coming into the mix news outlets are there you can connect with news folks in a in a even more personal way i guess with social media and the same thing with just even like fan brand interactions because you can interact with the brands as opposed to just it being a one sided piece of communication where you're sitting there watching the show and consuming it. You can't, they're not hearing what you're saying back to them. But now with social media and the internet, right? We can say something and online and they can respond to us. People get so excited when they do get a response from somebody they perceive as having celebrity or, you know, a real celebrity. So it's, it's changed in that way where it's, it used to be really like top down one way communication And now it is more involved and it's perceived as two-sided, even though the celebrity or that person with status that I keep saying doesn't really know as much about you as you know about them. And that's okay. But you, we still, the viewer still feels like, oh, they, of course they know about me, right? I can relate to them. I can comment on their YouTube video, or I can comment on their Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, whatever. And so it's just, I think, strengthened. Because of that. Mm-hmm.
3: And it seems to me like a lot of the creators are leaning into that and feeding that parasocial relationship, right? So they they purposefully, especially on YouTube, speak to the listener in that kind of way and encourage comments. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Is that good? Or is that bad? Um, I mean, I think
5: it's great. Uh, one thing about these YouTube celebrities is they are not or, you know, they're influencers now, I guess, but they're not Beyonce. They're not, you know, JLo or whoever. They are kind of like the girl next door, the boy next door or whatever. And they're, they're there. They're in your room with you. You're watching them before bed or whatever. And it's intensified because they say things like you guys are my family. I love y'all so much. You know, some groups have like little pet names, like, oh, what's her name? Graveyard girl. She has an obscene amount of YouTube followers and she's got the swamp family and y'all are part of the family, you know? And all that does is just intensify that relationship. And The viewer might know they have a vested interest in it that the celebrity does, but sometimes that doesn't even matter because there is that sense of personalness and that sense of knowing. It it can be so strong. They don't care.
1: So- Psychologically speaking, um, I guess I'm just curious. Like, wh- what kind of relationships are these? Like, are they actually considered relationships if they're not reciprocal? Or like, how healthy or unhealthy is it that like people think they're part of a community or a family? Is it just individual? Or you know, are these actual relationships <laughs> psychologically yeah. speaking?
5: Um I don't know since I am not in psychology but um it is definitely peculiar. Yeah. Um you know I can think back to I'm from Corpus Christi Texas that's the hometown of Selena. Um and when Selena died I was in high school and I remember it was like the world stopped. I mean, high school was over. We didn't have any class the rest of the day. We were all glued to the screen. Our teachers, our principal, you know, and it was like Selena, we know her, even though we don't know her. And we felt like, but she's from the valley, like us, like we can relate to her. Like the relationship was so intense, even though it's not a real relationship, right? So I, I almost want to liken it to like a catfish relationship, except it's, that's not true because you're at least communicating back and forth with someone, but I'm sure there are times when it can be very unhealthy for some folks. Um I mean I'm a fairly educated person. I know about this mm-hmm. stuff. I study it. I you know, do all of that. And even as I do my research and I'm watching YouTube videos of certain folks, I start to think like, "Oh, man, Danny got a divorce like that sucks, you know, and and I know what I'm looking for. And I even start to feel it. Um, So I think when you have perhaps younger folks, especially or or maybe whatever age group that aren't as media literate, that it can intensify. And I'm sure there is definitely a dark path that it can travel down.
3: I mean, it's interesting, though, because a lot of the examples you're giving are just very empathetic. You know, like we we should care when someone gets divorced or, I mean, when someone is murdered, like, you know what I mean? So it actually made me think about it almost positively. Like, could these things be used to taught empathy in some way? I don't know.
5: Uh, maybe so. I mean, I don't see why not. I, I, I worry about the dark side being like, oh, okay, now now I know you, and I'm going to develop an obsession with you, and right. things are going to go like single-white female status or something. Right.
3: Um, well, and I think people just forgetting what a normal, real friendship is because they think they have all these friends that they're not really friends with.
5: Oh, absolutely, right. You have like a thousand Facebook friends, but how many do you really know in real life? And then, you know, exacerbate that on YouTube when you're a YouTube celebrity. Right,
3: and how it like changes the definition of friendship for a lot of people, I think.
5: Yeah, it's the highlight reel, you know, of our life.
4: And and just to add one more layer to it, reminder that on any social media and certainly on a YouTuber that is presenting him or herself, like they're only presenting a small side of their personality or their life when you have a, a real relationship with someone, you're seeing the good and the bad, perhaps. Uh, but when you're seeing the internet version of someone on Facebook, you're only seeing the good. And and that's yeah. that's certainly not the whole picture.
3: I'm curious how you think technology is actually going to escalate this. So, for instance, like when we can all hang out in VR with our favorite YouTube celebrities, like what is going to happen?
5: <laughs> oh, I have no idea what will happen. From my perspective, brands are jumping on it, right? Like that's sort of what I'm examining it through. I mean, they're certainly capitalizing. On it, basically, because instead of... In what ways? Well, for example, you know, uh, I think L'Oreal paid Beyonce something like $5 million to do one or two commercials uh, several years ago. But now, you know, they can spend 20000 or $40,000 to make, uh, I don't know, Makeup with Tiffany D, do a YouTube video, and she's got this millions of subscribers that are sitting there anxiously waiting for her to tell them what she likes so then she can go out and buy it and that level of credibility is probably higher between you know that youtuber and the viewer as opposed to me watching beyonce because does beyonce go roll up to target and buy a ten dollar box of l'oreal hair color no way you know she's going to the salon but if tiffany on youtube who's in her bedroom making this video is telling me like yeah, I really like it. You know, I got an awesome box job. Then maybe I'm more likely to believe it, right? It's it seems more organic in nature.
3: Yeah, that seems like good business. Plus, it's way cheaper. Absolutely, <laughs> to pay to pay her than to pay Beyonce. Yeah. Well, it's also just sort of like um, instead of just like these wide these celebrity endorsements, just to have someone so targeted who she literally does right. makeup reviews. So I mean, it does make more sense. What what other ways do you think our brands capitalizing on this?
5: I mean, that's really the primary way that I'm seeing it. You know, they're doing the brand sponsorships and just trying to get these influencers essentially to endorse their products. But it's also it's done differently too than a commercial or a print ad because it's not necessarily scripted, you know, so it does come across more organic. In that regard, it's just you and your girlfriend hanging out in your bathroom, getting ready to go out tonight. And you're chatting about this awesome, you know, hair color or product or mascara, whatever. Um, So it just it's a commercial, but it's so not a commercial.
1: I find it terrifying and really fascinating like when suddenly all of these influencers that I follow on Instagram will just casually in their stories be like, "Oh yeah, I've decided to try this brand of shake. It's so good." And like it just seems like they're just talking about their lives, you know, it's part of their story, it's what they were doing that morning. But then you notice like multiple people are talking about the same thing. <laughs> and um if you if you look, they do have like the little, you know, sponsored by thing up in the corner, but How I definitely hard do you have, have to search bought-
3: for that though. Is it tiny? Well, or- it,
1: it's, it's tiny in the upper left. Yeah. But they, they do do it so organically. And, and I don't know. They make it just seem like it's a natural part of their lives. And you do want to be like them. I bought a set of sheets because an influencer on Instagram. Actually, multiple people were, were talking about Ooh, these what, sheets. What are
3: with these sheets? You know, I need sleeping tips.
1: <laughs> yeah. well, Was it Brook Linen? <laughs> no, it's a newer brand called Parachute. Uh, but, okay. but it was like all these millennial women, like kind of he- healthy lifestyle influencers were talking about like their amazing beds and they would have these great pictures. And yeah, so I, I got some sheets. So it works. <laughs> I think it's much more yeah, effective. Yeah. Yeah. Also, cause you're
3: a smart bitch. Like if it's working well, on you, it's working on millions. It works. It works.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Allie. But that, that's a whole
3: thing too, where like post fire festivals, celebrities are really getting in trouble for not being super clear about when it's an endorsement or not. Right. Right.
5: Yeah. Oh, that fire festival was so interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I know. I watched the Netflix one. I haven't watched the Hulu documentary
5: yet. I'm sort of like, "Uh, eh, how much time do I want to uh, spend on this?" But <laughs> it's it's good. It's worth the watch. Also, both of them? Did have you know, watch both? Yeah, I've seen both. This is a hot topic okay. in my classes right now. Oh, uh, that's true. It's true. You know, Jerry Media though, they co-produced the Netflix one. Yes, yes. So they can kind of control how they look in that one. And they can't in the Hulu one, right? So it's it's interesting to juxtapose the two.
3: Yeah, because they're getting a lot of shit right now. Yeah, for all kinds of things. Wait, so what else are you looking at in your classes regarding fire festival and celebrity endorsements and all that?
5: Um, we're kind of watching it to see how it unfolds with the endorsers because you know, like some of the models are uh, allegedly going to be subpoenaed soon, and. You know, try to determine their role in it, and I think it's bringing up a broader question of responsibility of influencers um, and how that's going to be handled in the future. Uh, You know, I think a lot of them, like the smaller ones that are not that don't have managers and things like that, they're probably able to control it a lot more. You know, these other ones that are like, yeah, here's a festival we want you to promote it, and by the way, it's gonna, you know, you're gonna clear. $250,000 for these Instagram posts. Okay, awesome. You know, so they, they just do it. They enter into these business deals. I don't know if it's any different than, you know, you enter into any business deal and it goes south, right? So there's some fallout. But because they're influencers now, I think that's going to be examined a little more closely and see perhaps what ethical issues may arise.
3: It's interesting to me, though, because I think in light of Fire Festival and other scandals, influencers, you know, should be held accountable. But I don't think they should be personally, I don't think they should be held accountable retroactively. Like that's how they were all doing it. And now suddenly they're in trouble for it. I don't know seems weird to like make rules later and then penalize people for them but it's also hard like are they going to have to research like i know in the netflix one, they were saying that the video team was like they were just hired to do a gig like are they supposed to research every Mm -hmm. single client
5: and see if it's a ponzi scheme i don't know (laughs) right and it might be a and it might be a great one that even if you did research you wouldn't figure it out yeah you know and then what you're held accountable yeah i don't know what the answer is but it's very interesting yeah
1: have you done any research on like th- when things go wrong with these influencers like when they when they disappoint their viewers somehow or like you know maybe something comes out about how they're not the people you thought they were and how that affects Their fans?
5: Um, I haven't done any official research about that, but I have kind of explored a couple of topics. Um, I, you know, I spoke to The Verge about that. This guy at TwitchCon who basically said he didn't want his viewers to feel like they knew him. And there was some, you know, it was a quote pulled out of context, but I get what he's saying too. Like, you know, he is kind of like Matt was saying, right? He's showing one part of himself and that's his business. So does he want you to feel like you know him and the rest of his life? No. And I, you know, I get it, but audiences still want to feel like they know everything. And so he faced a lot of backlash, but I think at the end it was very much a fleeting crisis. You know, he bounced back. It was no big deal after a couple of weeks. And then you had Graveyard Girl, who I mentioned, she's on YouTube. I want to say she's around the 5 million subscriber mark, maybe 8 million. Uh, she portrays this image that is absolutely counter to her real life. Are y'all familiar with Graveyard Girl?
3: No. No. It's crazy how famous some people are. And I'm like, I have no idea. Just because they're so niche, you know what I mean? Yeah. I suppose the traditional celebrity that's like so widespread. And they're also like in all these marketing campaigns and billboards. Yeah. Anyway, okay, sorry, go on Graveyard Girl. Oh, well,
5: Guard Girl! You know she has she films in a room that looks like it's you know a room out of the Garbage Pail Kids. You know it's just it's real it's really junky. You know she's got her dolls and their eyes are poked out, and she's just this one way. And yet turn the camera around and leave that room, and she lives in this mansion outside of Houston, Texas. She has fancy cars and she goes to Disney all the time. Um, She's a big Disney buff, which seems so pure and innocent. And yet that's not quite what we get on the YouTube videos. Um, And that was sort of slowly revealed not long ago. I want to say within the last year or so. And then, um, oh my goodness, not Logan Paul. What is the other guy? (laughs) Ryan something. He went and did, he had to like do a sit down with her where she could talk about, you know why she portrays this image, even though she clearly lives in a mansion and has this life of fortune, basically. Um, and yet she doesn't portray that. She did these the series of heartfelt videos with him, where he's interviewing her, and you know, kind of, I guess, trying to save face a little, and and. A, appeal to her audience and say like i just didn't know if you guys would care about me if y'all basically knew the real me it's so fascinating because they don't yeah they
3: don't know the real person for any of these people and then like as an actor it just makes me think like why isn't she allowed to take on a character right or persona for this one channel Although I haven't seen it, so I don't know if she's like claiming to be very real. Like I'm thinking of Miranda Sings, right? And like nobody got mad over whether or not she could actually sing.
4: Yeah, th- because um, when you see an actor on television or in the movies, and then you see them walk around in real life, it's kind of like, oh, I thought I knew George Clooney, but he's just a regular guy and he's different from what I thought. And you kind of accept that, but there is a found a cultural foundation of like vloggers are supposed to be sharing the realness with their audiences. And if it turns out they're totally faking, then that's a huge disappointment to people who thought they knew the person. I think that's the subtext here without knowing Graveyard Girls shtick.
5: Yeah, no, absolutely. That's exactly, that's exactly it. You know, it's sort of like they felt like the wool was pulled over their eyes or something. And I mean, if you have somebody who has eight in it, I just checked, it's 8.5 million subscribers and 1.5 billion views. I, do you think they're not gonna make money? I mean, of course they're making money and they're, this is their business and they're going to be prosperous in whatever regard. That's that parasocial relax- relationship, right? It's so strong that you forget everything else.
3: Are there examples of what you referenced earlier, like the single white female thing where people get really angry because they think that they are friends? I mean, have you seen those kind of stories? No, I've not seen anything in the news where they've
5: gone like outright nuts um, on them though. That's good. Yeah. So that's good. I feel like it's probably coming. Um, but I don't, I haven't seen anything yet. Uh, there has been a lot of like, you you know, in YouTube comments or any kind of comment in Instagram, whatever, right. If somebody doesn't like you, they're going to trash them in the comments. Um, you know, Laura Lee, she is a beauty blogger who had a couple million subscribers as well. There were some tweets pulled up that she tweeted out I don't know, several years ago, and they were racist and inappropriate. And she lost a business deal with Ulta. I think it was with Ulta. They were putting out a makeup palette together and that got pulled and people just railed on her and she lost like half a million subscribers. And you know, there was, there was a lot of that happening. And I've seen that happen before, but I can't say where I've seen like, Oh, I received, you know, somebody coming to my house or whatever. Doesn't mean it hasn't happened.
4: But it's it's funny to me, because it's like, if the YouTuber says, hey, guys, welcome back to my real life, and then it turns out it wasn't the real life, well, then shame on them. Yes. But if they just were playing a character, and sort of, you don't have to overtly say it, like Miranda Sings is so over the top, she, she's such a ridiculous character. But if you <laughs> um, just put yourself out there as a character and never really say anything about it, then I suppose it's like, shame on the audience for not understanding the difference. Um, so it's hard to know where that blame lies. But there is obviously this culture of, here's my life, everyone, and it's real. And guess what? None of it is really real. We should know that by now. right?
1: Yeah, we should know that by now. It's like we have to have a paradigm shift for ourselves as viewers of social media, knowing we just have to accept that we're not seeing the whole person. And in some cases, we might not be seeing who they really are at all, even though it feels like the most personal medium possible. I I remember, I think it was Laura Lee who I was reading about. She's involved with the whole community of uh, beauty bloggers. Is that right? No,
5: absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there there was like a group of them, but um I think she had put out an apology video when that happened and she was crying in the video and then she received a lot of backlash because people were like this is she's fake crying, that didn't seem real enough. Like
5: <laughs> that's um, exactly yeah. what happened. She has such a big personality anyway in her videos. So then I don't know, I'm a cynic, I guess, but it did come across as a, a little disingenuous and inconsistent maybe with her her outrageousness, I guess. But yeah, she got a she got a lot of heat for that for sure. So I know this is taking it way back, but I'm just still
1: curious. At the very beginning, Leslie, you mentioned about like the little things that we're looking for in people to determine if we trust them or you know we're we're interested in them. The things that spark for us. Do you have any more examples of that? Like, what are some of those things that we're actually looking for when we're interacting with people on social media that sort of form these parasocial relationships for us? Like, what leads to that sort of biologically or what's it, um, going
5: on? You know, part of it is just that biological innate feeling that we have when we're watching somebody attractiveness is one of the biggest ones, right? So, and that's obviously subjective, but there are probably people out there who majority of folks might agree, like, well, yes, this is a very attractive person. So attractiveness is just one of those things that draws us to people. Now, if you look at Bunny's picture, uh, oh, sorry, Graveyard Girl, her, she goes by Bunny Meyer. That's her name. I think her real name is Rachel. But um, Bunny- I looked is, her up. You did? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I looked her up. She, yeah, she's, she's very pretty. She's definitely. And what did you say? What, what does the room look like? Like the junkyard or something? Yeah. It looks (laughs) like like she's in a trash room. Yeah. Yeah.
5: That's right. Okay. (laughs) So attractiveness, credibility, and then just overall likability of the personality are the three main factors that we kind of examine. And you can pull those apart even further, like credibility, just because I don't know, you just feel like you trust someone. Or it could be because, well, maybe they have, you know, lights in their videos Mm -hmm. and they look more professional in their uh, production quality, right? So sometimes that's not necessarily something we process and think about, but we still see that as more credible. But we think it's more credible just because the production quality looks better. When in reality, you know, that means nothing. You know, it's just, did you have enough money to go buy Lights and get better microphones Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, So there's just a lot of those little things that add up. That likability could just be also relatability. Some of these YouTubers that they don't have those over the top personalities and yet they've still been very successful and they just come across as perhaps as likable. Maybe they are more girl next door, boy next door type of thing. But for some reason, Mm -hmm. they are relatable to a broad audience.
3: Yeah. So what do you think is is the future of this phenomenon? Anything that people should be wary of? Or do you think it's just it's it's fine? This is just the way that the world is going?
5: I think it is just the way the world is going. I don't think we can get away from it simply because social media is probably not going away. And even if the platforms as we know it goes away, there's still going to be something else on the Internet. You know, and something that connects us somehow. So this has been examined since the 50s, and I think it just keeps evolving as technology evolves and that sort of thing. Um, businesses are capitalizing on it, obviously, um, and we'll we'll see where it goes. You know, the fire festival is a great example um, to see if perhaps there you know any um, regulations are going to be enforced related to it. I think as a viewer, you know, maybe we should be aware that these folks do have a vested interest. And, you know, the reality is we don't know them, even though we might feel like it. As, you know, I said and Jen said, you know, she bought sheets because of something. I see myself, I'm studying this crap and I'm like, oh, man shit, maybe I should go buy that mascara. That looks good. So even though we're literate and aware of it, it's still like, it's very powerful because it penetrates. So I don't know what we can do other than, you know, do what the FCC is already doing, which is requiring folks to disclose endorsements and ads and whatnot. And some people don't care. Anyway.
1: Do you think um, as this continues to evolve and the lines continue to be blurred between what's real and what's not real, uh, that it could potentially as viewers affect our real relationships in real life? Like, I don't know if you have an opinion on Uh, that. That's
5: a very interesting question. And I think that in a lot of ways it does. And here's why. Just for for the sheer fact that you know, sometimes there are studies out there that have examined why people use social media, or how it makes them feel when they're on social media for you know varying amounts of time, and people can feel bad, start to feel bad about themselves, or they can feel like. They're just not worth enough because they're not living the highlight reel of somebody else's life that they view on social media. And, and that's like the people they do know. So let's say my cousin is posting all of these fantastic photos of her, you know, on these amazing trips. Well, really, she's working in an insurance office and in who knows what town, and she's just showing her vacation photos all the time. But I don't see that, right? Because it's the highlight reel. That can start to make you feel bad about yourself or these people that are constantly posting their lovey-dovey relationships all over. Well, you know, that can also make you feel like You have to have this level of public knowledge about your relationship in order to obtain your value within that relationship, which is so silly, but yet people still feel that way. Um, And I think the more involved and in depth we get into these you know social media celebrities who we have developed these relationships these parasocial relationships with i think the same thing is going to happen there too where well gosh i don't look like you or i don't do that well of course not if they have two million followers they're not getting up at 7 a.m and going to work every morning you know their their life is a lot different and it can affect how we perceive ourselves though so in conclusion, still have real life friends. Yes, still. <laughs> yes. Still have real life friends. They're important. Great. Well, on that note, I think we should leave you alone. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> this was so fun. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for Luffy. joining us.
1: How do we feel about the idea that this is the way the world is going? I don't know. I feel a little conflicted because I, well, I, I guess there's nothing to be done about it. <laughs> and also, like, is it a bad thing? And, you know, can we empower ourselves in these sorts of relationships? Or I, I don't know. guys. I
3: think it comes back down to things like the time well spent movement and like yeah. us just kind of limiting the amount of time that we spend on the Internet. You know what I mean? Like, I think if you are watching your favorite YouTuber, you know, once a week, whatever it is, then that's fine and great. And, you know, as she was saying, like, this is not a new phenomenon exactly. But I think when people spend too much time on YouTube and Instagram and are seeing this highlight reel, like that's when we get into the negative effects that we've discussed before on the podcast. So I think it just kind of comes down to limiting screen time. (laughs) Uh, And then like, yeah, the FCC.
1: How are you doing with that? <laughs> How are, yeah, the, <laughs> that little thing called the FCC. How are you doing with limiting your screen time these days? I know we haven't talked about this for a um, little
3: bit. Wait, did I have a goal to limit it? Uh we've been, We've
1: talked about this before for sure. I mean, I think um, I like
3: waste time where I'm like, why am I on this? But I don't know. I haven't. I haven't made any real efforts lately. <laughs>
1: okay well also I mean are you ever is there any social media that you go on for more than like five minutes at a time like me I'll go on Instagram for like tw- like 20 minutes and I get my reminder from them and I get off. <laughs> But 20 minutes is pretty long every yeah, single day. Yeah, I don't know. I was
3: thinking, you know, the iPhone has that new dashboard that tells you how much time you've spent. And I was thinking of doing that. But I actually like tracking it more. But I don't I don't think I spend that much time on social media. Like the dashboard right now says I spend too much time in messages.
1: <laughs> oh, interesting. Well, that's good. You're having some real life interactions with humans. Sort so. of. But <laughs> well done.
3: <laughs> I mean, I feel yeah. addicted to my phone, but I'm not like big on watching YouTube or anything. And Instagram, whenever I sign on, I'm like, now I feel bad about myself. I should not do this. Really? I just spend too much time on Bumble and I don't know why I haven't outsourced a Matt yet. <laughs> Girl. I need to get on that.
1: Yeah. I mean, also just the question, all of this, like the responsibility of the person making the content, first of all, to let you know when they're advertising a product. So it's not like some weird insidious <laughs> thing, you know, that it has to be clear. And also just, I, I feel like when they're not Portraying a real life. Matt, you made a comment about it, like pretending it's real. I feel like there's a responsibility to kind of let people know that this is not how it actually is. Like I'm is, playing a character or not? A little bit, yeah. yeah. That's clear with Lady Gaga, for example, as a pop star, but it, it, it's so hard to tell with a lot of these people on social media. Yeah,
3: basically, you got to wear face prosthetics. <laughs> that's,
1: that's, that's what so Lady much.
3: Gaga does. You know, it's not yeah. her because she's wearing a fucking meat dress and a face prosthetic. You know what I mean? Of course, it's not really her. <laughs> <laughs> But what if it was? Maybe. <laughs> it's
4: tough to know yeah. where that responsibility falls because you're just turning on a camera, getting on YouTube and doing your thing as a personality, as an entertainer. You don't have a legal obligation to say, hey, by the way, this is not my real life. Um, no. Yeah. It's just as, as with most things, it comes down to media literacy, right? At the end of the day. And, and I, I mostly worry about the kids. We should be somehow informing or teaching the kids that just truly, literally everything everywhere from television to radio to your favorite Instagrammer. It's all fake to a degree, and there are degrees of fakeness, and most likely someone is trying to sell you something at some point along the way.
3: Yeah, I'm having a big issue with that. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Because, like, no, because sometimes when I really do need a product, I do not fucking know where to research because you know every article that pops up is some kind of ad or sponsored placement or whatever. So I don't even know where to properly research anything anymore. And I
4: think most people just go to the first Google result or the first YouTube uh, result and they just say, cool, that's the information I need. And they don't know. Uh, You are a savvy consumer who is now 30. Throwing up her hands and saying, fuck, I don't know which one is real. That's a real problem. Most people don't have that problem.
3: Yeah. Like even so-called legitimate sites when they're doing roundups of like the best products for such and such, like those are all paid placements or they're getting an affiliate link or whatever it is there. Every time it clicks, they're getting a little piece of the pie. Like I don't know what the real sources are. Correct.
4: It depends on your definition of legitimate. And there has to be a marker of trust or the history of trust, like I, I don't know that the New York Times, just to use a you know the, a poster child example, an example of a trusted news source that everyone agrees, most people agree, some people agree, is uh, a trustworthy site.
3: <laughs> Way to like quickly downgrade that everyone, most people, some people. Yeah,
4: well, uh, you know, you were talking about you know the the you know the fringes of our society who think the New York Times is is not real news, but anyway, yeah. I don't know for sure that if they have an affiliate program, but I'm going to assume that they probably do because it's it's a very important aspect of the business uh, of the media business these days. And so if the New York Times has an affiliate program, then they are taking steps to say to the audience, hey, uh, this article is not influenced by the products, but we're just monetizing the links because it really sucks out there and we need to make money somehow. And we're also providing a service.
3: <laughs> I wish that was what they'd say. It sucks out uh, there. Most
4: most do not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? Like most most sites yeah. do not and most most websites do not have a hundred years of journalistic integrity to say, Hey, you know we would never fuck this up. So trust us. Most sites do not have that. So so if you go on BuzzFeed, like, do you trust that they're not in? Like, I think they do really good work, but I also think they do a lot of shitty stuff too. So who who can say? It's hard. And then if you go to like CoolProducts.biz, like you you can almost be certain that there is no there are no standards on that website. So.
3: Yeah, but like I was on Business Insider the other day and I was like, I'm pretty sure this is some kind of sponsored affiliate link roundup situation and I can't trust this. Uh,
4: You know, they they are a big player in the affiliate space and they do good journalism. And so there's a difference between this. This article is supported by L'Oreal.
3: Basically, what I'm getting at is where am I going to find my sleep Mm, products? That's what I'm researching.
4: Jen's
0: Instagrammer. I was trying to find the best sheets for sleepers. Well, there you go <laughs> Where they like regulate Well, I have first-hand experience I know, with parachute Barbara, that, like helps like
3: regulate your body temperature through the night That's what I was looking for And I googled and it's like everything's in it Well,
1: I, I cannot help you there
3: Anyway, parasocial relationships mm-hmm. Jen, who do you think is your friend that isn't? The food bloggers, who else? Does anyone think that you're our friend
1: and you're not? I think, well, that that's why I asked that right off the bat Because I don't think any of these people are my friend But it's like a closeness you feel You no. know, where you're like <laughs> You kind of, yeah, you feel like you know who they are or, but you don't, <laughs> um, Yeah. So I don't actually think any of them are my friends. <laughs> yeah.
4: But I love it. I love 99% of it because, you know, and and you guys have weird uh, lives and jobs, but like, pretend you had a normal job in an office where-
3: Okay, I'm pretend, pretending. Pretend. Ooh, this is not
4: fun. <laughs>
3: nope. I don't like it. Although the health benefits, mm, the benefits mm-hmm. sound great. Pretend
4: you have health I'm insurance. I'm looking for
3: a man with benefits. <laughs>
4: You walk into that imaginary office, and your coworkers are lovely, and you have some things in common, but they're not as excited about farm life or, you know, growing crops or doing all the things that you are very passionate about, you don't share that connection with the normal people that you meet in your everyday life. And then you can self-select on Instagram the people that are absolutely as as in love with that culture as you are, and you get to spend like every day with them. And I know it's fake, but it's also a dream come true.
1: Oh my God, it's a complete dream. Yeah, Yeah, I know. But then it creates an identity crisis sometimes where you're like, who am I? Why have I chosen this life where I'm not surrounded by these kinds of people who have everything in <laughs> common with me? But that's just that's just life. Like everyone's so, you know, unless I were to move to like a hippie commune farm, okay, right. but I'm not going to do that. But yeah, it does create a sort of a weird sense of your own identity in, in those arenas. The larger question, guys, of just who am I? <laughs> But I think we're all dealing with that. <laughs> yeah, Jen, why don't you live on a farm? Right. See, isn't you're asking the question too? <laughs> so,
4: so maybe the question of our age is really reconciling this of like you don't have you can love food and you can love farm life, but you don't have to go whole hog. There are things about our lives
0: whole hog.
4: Wink, <laughs> wink,
1: guys. I love it.
0: <laughs> uh,
4: there are things about our lives that tie us to like we have to be in New York or I have to live in the suburbs or you know I have children so I can't travel the world. Like those are that's my real life. But I can still enjoy, I can dip my toe into this fantasy of these parasocial relationships as long as I don't get too obsessed and too lost in the like, why am R and I like these people? That's sort of a a maturity slash media literacy thing that I think is hard for kids. Like imagine a middle, a middle schooler like Coming to terms with that, I think that's very hard. And it's probably hard for some adults. Uh, we have come through the internet. We've transitioned through non-internet times, and now we are here. I think we, people of our age, kind of see the uh, the issues, but people who grew up with the internet in their hands, uh, they might
1: have a tougher time. That's my worry.
3: I think that all makes sense. Yeah.
1: All right, guys. Well, we want to hear what you think, as always. And let- If
3: you think that you're our friend...
1: Tweet us We will respond. I'm at Allie Gold. I'm at June Bugger. Yeah, we want to hear like, yeah, how do you relate to this podcast? And okay, so there are a few more ways to actually be in touch. You can email us at 2g1podcast at gmail.com. You can give us a call and leave us a voicemail and we may play it on the show and respond to it here on the show. That number is 347-871-6548. Seven, seven, that number
2: again, 347
0: 871 six six
1: And then the realest of the really real, real ways to be in touch with us is to go into mm. our Discord server, where...
0: I thought you were
4: going to give us your address.
1: Oh no, that might get a realist way. The real
3: (laughs) no, there was a fan who sent us maple syrup. That was great.
1: (laughs) That that is true. That did happen. Uh, You can go into our Discord server. That's discord.gg/2g1p. People are suggesting topics for the show. They're asking uh, sample questions that we could put on upcoming shows, which is wonderful. And uh, we're there. Sometimes Matt, I would say, is there all of the time get a life mat I'm just kidding <laughs> I'm kidding um, but come join us and we love we would love for you to be part of the conversation Ellie if they want to contribute
3: how do they do that you can go to patreon.com 2g1p and we hope that you will great
1: alright we'll see you next week guys see ya <laughs>
2: one podcast is hosted by Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg and optimized for maximum realness, I mean produced by Matt Silverman in New York City this episode was edited by Danny Matias. production assistance is provided by the podglomerate, this show is a production of the Daily Dot the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet (laughs)